0: This is Zero Analyst episode number 37, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a few functions uh, in Google Sheets. And you can use this in Excel too for text manipulation. And in this specific instance, I'm going to talk specifically about how you can pull the domain name from an email address. So, pretty simple operation. You have a bunch of email addresses, and all you want to do is get the domain name from the email address, a pretty common uh, text type of like operation and apologies if you hear some background noise trying to keep i will try to remove this in the uh, post-production but um if you look at the spreadsheet mentioned in the show notes all i have is one column of email addresses i have john smith at amazon.com jane doe at tesla.com so on and so forth and our goal is to pull out just the domain name amazon.com tesla.com starbucks.com from the email address so how do we do this? With all email addresses, if the email address is written correctly, you should have an at symbol in the email address. So in column B, I'm going to write a formula to find the, <coughs> the at symbol in the email address. And that formula is really simple. In cell B2, I just have the formula find, left parentheses, double quote, at symbol, double quote comma a 2 and all that's going to return for me is the position an index of where the at symbol is in the email address so for John dot Smith at amazon.com that position defined formula will return the number 11 because the at symbol appears at the at the 11th position in the email address there's another argument that you can add an optional argument to the find function which is the starting at option i don't really use that too often uh, but you can basically say i want to start instead of at the very beginning of the email address i want to start at maybe position 5 or position 10. Um, i can see that being useful if when you want to find more than if there's more than one symbol that you're looking at in the email address but for this simple use case we're just going to look at one at symbol so you have that find function in column B, so you have the position or the index of the at symbol. And all we have to do now is simply pull the remaining text after the at symbol, which is the the domain name. So I think there's multiple ways of doing this, but the way I did this is I use, I start with the write formula, and the write formula, that's that's an R-I-G-H-T, not write as in like I'm writing a letter but right as in right-left, the right formula simply takes a string and then you provide that function, the number of characters you want to pull from the right of the string. So if you have the word amazon.com, if you say write amazon.com comma three, it will pull com as the three characters from the right of the text but we want to pull everything after the at symbol. And so the way we can get that position is actually using a nested length formula within the right formula. Um, It's a nice little trick that is used pretty often in these cases where you want to pull, where you don't know the number of characters you want to pull from the right, but you do know you you have a starting point, which is that at symbol. And so the write function takes only two arguments. It's the first argument is the, the text. In this case, it's the email address. The second argument is number of characters. And so for that parameter, we're going to say length of A2, which is just the length of the entire email address. So for john.smith at amazon.com, the length is 21. And then we take that length of the entire email address and then subtract the index of the at symbol. And so if you take 21 minus 11, you get the number 10, and that will give you the right number of characters to start pulling from, from the right side of the email address. It's a nice little handy little tool to pull just just the right number of characters so you don't have to worry about counting or doing using the mid formula which some people use um, i actually use a mid formula pretty often too but i think in this case when, we, when you already know the position of the add symbol you can simply use the right function with a combination of the length function to get the perfect number of characters at the end of the um at the end of the string so that's uh that's the Pretty basic use case of getting the domain name. Um, I there's many other ways you can use this, uh, use these formulas to get just like sometimes you just want to get the uh, top level domain, which is the .com or the .gov. Um, but I think when you are able to be proficient with using find, right, length, and mid, you can pretty much pull out any type of strings from your texts or text from your strings and if you're doing any kind of data cleanup or data cleaning data transformation data cleansing you'll probably be doing a lot of these uh kind of right length and and probably also using a few if statements to if then statements to make sure you pull the right information out if you're trying to categorize uh, a bunch of data Um, but a lot of times it's just trying to find patterns in the text in this case it's an at symbol and then you can basically pull out the relevant information whether it's the email name or the domain name from the text A pretty short kind of tip trick tip or trick today again this works in Google Sheets or Excel and uh, hopefully you can use this for your future data cleaning data cleansing operations in Excel or Google Sheets. Okay, so i uh, going to keep this episode short today. I'm just going to talk about two other episodes I listened to recently that I wanted to just kind of provide my thoughts and high-level analysis on. The first one is from the, one of my f- longest podcasts I've been listening to, The Tim Ferriss Show, episode number 444. Uh, It's the title of the episode is Hugh Jackman. The guest is Hugh Jackman on best decisions, daily routines, the 85% rule, favorite exercises, mind training, and much more. And I want to talk about around our one hour and 22 minutes, uh, Hugh Jackman starts talking about the 85% rule. And I've actually never heard this concept before, and it comes from... I believe that uh, Hugh talks about it coming from a trainer that he works with named Beth Lewis. And Beth uh, is, uh, I believe she kind of works for, well, she's a trainer, but she also works for a company called City Row, which um, provides fitness for using rowing machines. And the 85% rule is simply... The the coach or or the person that's training the athlete will say instead of saying go at a hundred percent and give it all you have, which is really typical when you go to you know a big gym or you go to a class where you know they're t- saying just go go your hardest. Um, the eighty five percent rule says tells the athlete just go eighty five percent of your hundred percent. And what ends up happening is the athlete will actually perform up to 100% because they're not kind of redlining at 100% right from the get-go. They'll naturally get to 100% because at 85%, they can still um, relax a little bit and they can kind of get in the zone from that uh, relaxation. And he was saying how a lot of high-level athletes – abide by this 85 percent rule they look so relaxed they're kind of their mind doesn't look straight their faces don't look strained Um, their tongue is out they just look like they're having a good time and that's because they're able to relax at 15 percent and then they're able to achieve their maximum because they have that little mental mental relaxation um, in that 85 percent and at first i was like i thought this was kind of like a weird concept but then the more i think about it the more I started to agree with it. And it could just be, you know, hearing the argument and the confirmation bias from uh, Hugh Jackman. But I think about the times that I've been pushed, um, whether it's physically or mentally, it was always about, you know, try your best, but don't feel bad if you like fail right away kind of thing. Um, when I think about physical performance and I'm thinking about like times where I've had to like, just go after it and try really hard. Um, when I tell myself, okay, I have a little break and I only have to go 85%, there's somewhere in me that tells me, okay, I can go into this lift or this rep and think about it as being like, okay, I can, if I can do it, great, if i not, then I won't. But the fact that I have that little bit of mental note of I can chill out or relax a little bit on this rep, it almost induces me to want to push harder. And then I end up like hitting a max or hitting a rep that I didn't think I was going to hit. Um, But I think in general, it's just about being able to approach an activity, whether it's physical or mental, and saying to yourself, let's just relax and take all the training and expertise that I've had going into this moment, and then being able to perform at 85% and above. And more often than not, I think you'll find yourself going above 85%. 85%. Um, I think I might try this with my like maybe future workouts or new skills that I want to gain, um, but I think this is an interesting concept to apply to different parts of your life where you're normally told to just go hard or go home. Um, so the 85% approach, hopefully you'll give it a shot. And just Google Beth Lewis 85% rule and you'll see a few more articles um, about it I'm just trying to find something here just that I found on Google. Uh, Let's see here. Quote says, oh, this is from Hugh directly. I think they call it the 85% rule. If you tell most sort of A-type athletes to run at their 85% capacity, they will run faster than if you tell them to run 100 because it's more about relaxation and form and optimizing the muscles in the right way. Yeah, I think that's actually from the podcast itself. So... Straight from the Wolverine's mouth, as it were. The second episode I want to bring up, and this is a, a new podcast I just started listening to. I forgot where I heard who I learned about this podcast from, but it's called Econ Talk from uh, by Russ Roberts. And Russ Roberts used to be an economics professor at George Mason University. And it's about a topic that I have definitely... I definitely appreciate it a lot, and I've talked about it in previous episodes. The um, episode is with Robert Lerman um, on a, on apprenticeships, and Robert Lerman is also an economist for the Urban Institute, and he talks about the. He basically argues that apprenticeships are where you have a you have work experience and some classroom le- classroom learning, has the best potential to expand your opportunities. And around minute 55, they talk about, um, Robert talks about how he went to like Washington and he was talking to the German ambassador and there were a bunch of like German like CEOs or executives in the room. And when he talked about how apprenticeships, all the apprenticeships that he's participated in and that he's seen students participate in. Um, they bring not only a sense of like you know joy and and just like knowing you did some hard work um, and learning on the job, but it brings a sense of community and pride because you were part of something and not just sitting in a classroom learning how to memorize facts and take a test. And um, I think Russ Roberts also further on says that not only is it about the pride and the dignity that you get from learning a true skill, but it's also from this the sense of mastery. And I've talked a little bit about being able to feel like you're a master of your own tools and a master of your craft. Um, this is kind of picking backing off of that concept of when you're in school and you're learning biology or physics or chemistry or social studies, you learn all these things at the surface and you learn just enough to get a passing grade on the test, but you never become a master of any one subject because it's all about interdisciplinary learning and, um, you know, it's just about checking off boxes. But then when you're on an apprenticeship, you're learning all the little specific nuances about how to lay brick or how to, uh, you know, how to uh, do plumbing, how to um, install HVAC machines, how to uh, do all these things that are, Kind of considered unskilled, but actually require a lot of skill in terms of the uh, knowledge and the physics and the chemistry and all the little things that make that that specific uh, task really hard to do and hard to master. But those who are working on the job and learning how to do these things, um, you know, I think they talk about. I think he talks about how like they had a um, how Russ had to stain some glass or something. And he learned so much from the person who came over just to help him stain the glass that it was like, as much as we white-collar folk want to talk about how we're so skilled, when it comes to um, some of these quote-unquote basic unskilled tasks, we really know nothing about them. And a lot of times it takes years of just experience to understand how to do these things properly and, um, and accurately. And yeah, I think they the idea of internships is obviously pretty common for when you are in college and trying to get a job, but doing an participating in an actual apprenticeship where not only are you getting experience and getting on the job experience that will eventually help you carry on to a professional career. You're actually helping the company that is hiring you as part of this apprenticeship. So, um, really recommend listening to this whole episode. Reminds me a lot of actually the work that, um, Oh, my of uh, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs? Uh, Mike Rowe, I think, is a really big proponent of um, the trades and people going into the trades and how there's so much demand for people being able to, for these type of um, these type of jobs. there's not enough people going to those jobs because everyone thinks oh i need to be a software developer or data science person because that's what's that's like what pays the most but in reality there's a lot of other jobs out there that um, do pay really well and uh, again bring a sense of pride community dignity mastery to the job that many of these other jobs just can't Um, and you know i think any opportunity to work with your hands and really work with a physical environment, the built environment is so rare these days. And I think whenever I get a chance to work on like, you know, home little, these little home improvement projects, whether it's like doing some soldering or doing some sort of installation or even some basic forms of cleaning, um, You learn about the different chemicals and the different uh objects and how they interact with each other and how different uh substances can impact uh you know the the uh the humidity and in like the, the bathroom and how that can affect like the the caulk um all these little things really luckily there's google out there for us to look up these things but um you know, if you're an expert in, th- in this, in these type of areas, it's just like night an and day and how much, um, how much your trade is valued and how much you can, you can contribute to just society. Um, so I, I really, I think one day when it's all said and done, I think I just want to like retire and, you know, just work on home improvement projects all day and just learn about all the different things that go into, you know, building a home or, you know, building a garden, um. All interesting, interesting things when you're spending a good majority of your days and your weeks just looking in front of a screen and in front of your computer. So, yeah, I think uh, Econ Talk is definitely in my rotation of a new podcast to listen to, and recommend listening to this one with uh, Robert Lerman on apprenticeships. And that's going to be it for today's episode. Um, pretty short and sweet.